0: Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, a particularly good batch today. And today is Tuesday, the, what, the 7th of May? Yes, it's the 7th of May. The merry month of May. Uh, Which means something different in certain circles, for those of you who who know. I don't follow some of that stuff as much as I used to. Uh, But yeah, here we are. It's kind of a cool and cloudy and rainy morning today. It's supposed to be rainy the rest of this week, the way the forecast looks. Um, and I did not podcast yesterday. Is that a verb? Are we verbing that now? We kind of verb everything without consideration. That's the era we live in, right? Um, I did not post to the podcast, record the podcast. I did not podcast yesterday. I did not do it, Sam, I am, because I elected to go fishing with David instead. Oh. I had a pretty laid back weekend. I didn't do a whole lot over the weekend. I got um, my house cleaning done pretty early on Saturday morning, which is unusual for me. But I didn't go to yoga because I'd kind of tweaked my knee and I didn't want to further tweak it. So, especially with going to conference and that I was going to be walking around in heels and everything because... Not walking around in heels is obviously not a consideration. Uh, my left knee is um, my my questionable knee. I don't like to call it my bad knee. It tries. It tries very hard to be a good knee. Um, but I did uh, wreck it ooh, a long time ago now. Like 25 years ago. Um, yeah, 25 years ago. I tore out the reticulatum on the medial side and tried for a while to build it back up again but then when they when I finally relented and did the surgery it turned out that I had torn the reticulatum clean apart and they there was nothing to build back. And then they did a lateral release and cleaned out some garbage from the knee. And in general it does pretty well. It can do most everything on it. But every once in a while, I'll catch it funny, and it'll get aggravated with me and get a little inflamed. And so then the trick is to baby it. So I did not go to yoga. Got the house cleaning done early in the day. Kind of hung out in red. And I did a bunch of weeding. I think I posted a photo of my big weed pile that was satisfying to get done and then on um sunday yeah i did some business stuff and then i hung out in the sun and read so really i did not need another day off but david came home sunday afternoon and was it was looking like the weather uh for monday was going to be really gorgeous and the fishing reports were great at santa rosa and that's a it's a longish drive it's an hour and a half each way and so and he likes having the company. He'll he'll go to Cochiti, the closer places, on his own. But I knew he wanted my company. So I said, eh, I'll go. Because I thought, well, I'm leaving on Saturday for Nebula Conference and abandoning him for a week. So I thought, well, it would be nice to spend this time together. And one of the things I've reflected on on this podcast, especially with bouncing around the idea of going back, getting another day job, getting a full-time day job again to help supplement the finances, Um, which, by the way, nothing has happened on yet. I've applied for two jobs at the same place, and both are still listed as open, and their policy is, is that they only contact you if it's like for an interview or to find out stuff. And both jobs are still listed. One of them has been listed since January. So I think clearly they are not in any huge rush to fill these positions. And I'm frankly not in any huge rush to get employed because we have a busy summer ahead. And I would like to kind of save that for later in the year if I'm going to change my life over. But anyway, one of the things I've reflected on with uh, being a full-time author is that I still um, work an awful lot, and I don't always give myself time off the way that I would if I um, worked for somebody else. It's a hazard of self-employment, and lots of people talk about that. It's, um, it's hard to give yourself time off as... It's it's very interesting that way, how we are our own worst bosses. So anyway, I thought, well, that's silly to worry about, you know, getting, losing one writing day like that, which I do obsess about. Uh, but, you know, I'm still in the early stages of the fate of the Tala, and I'm going to have a big interruption next week. So I thought, ha. I'll just go fishing with David. And no, I don't really write there. Um, I used to take my laptop, but it's it's not easy to do that, You know, like sitting in the chair, even under the umbrella. I did it in the past. Uh, I did take um, my notebook, which I ended up not using. And I finished reading The Mark of Zatala, and I also read a whole bunch of miscellaneous stories that I had put together over the years. Um, was it, I think it was Library Addict, reminded me that I would put some of those up on my Patreon when I was doing that. There's a few little scenes that people ask me to write as like fun things at conferences or as guest posts for blogs. And I don't do it so much anymore because, you know, Corrine kind of has her list of things I do and don't want to do. I don't really do a whole lot of writing extra scenes for people's blogs anymore simply because that was a whole lot of effort on my part and it didn't feel necessarily like it brought in a commensurate amount of attention. I could be wrong on that. But it just felt like, yeah, a lot for me to do. Because I I didn't want to just throw out whatever, right? You know, I wanted it to be a decent little, even if it's just a snippet. So anyway, I reread a few of those. Um, the scene on the beach with Rafe and Andy—that's a good one—and the Rafe origin story, which does need some tightening up, and um, a little thing that Amelia, from Amelia's point of view, on the feast of Miranda. Ah. Feast of Morano, which I ended up using in The Snows of windrover So that one's kind of been cannibalized. It was useful. And my deleted scene between Ursula and Harlan, when my editor thought I had too many sex scenes in there, what does he know? And I reread Negotiation, the prequel story that I wrote about Selina. So, yeah, I've got a lot of notes now, and I've got um, a better understanding of many of the threads that I established early on that I want to make sure to tie up in this book. So I could tell you that, yes, there are things that are going back to Selina's story and what Selina was doing from the very beginning which is cool, which is fun to to re-explore. So I think um, that's the other piece of writing work is to acknowledge that there are times when um, reading and ruminating are good things to do. And on Sunday, that was what I was doing when I was laying around in the sun was I was reading the Mark of the Tala and making notes. So not entirely... Not entirely frivolously spent. So, and yesterday, no, he did not catch any fish. We think the water's still cold, although it was nice and full now at um, Santa Rosa. That's on the Pecos River, which is not part of the Rio Grande system. I don't know if I mentioned, and you guys may not care, but I'm going to tell you anyway, that I did find out more about what's going on with the Rio Grande and why, when we went to Abiquiu Reservoir a couple of weeks ago, it was so incredibly low. I mean, you guys, it was so low that the fishing cove we normally go to not only was low, it was dry. I mean, it was like the whole thing was high and dry. Uh, it was really interesting to walk around and see all of the rocks and stuff that normally was under, would be under like 10 or 20 feet of water. So anyway, I looked up some stuff. We met this ranger who fed us entirely bad information. It was kind of funny. Uh, but it turns out that uh, one of the water rights deals on the Rio Grande, and there are people who will tell you that the history of the West is the history of water rights, but that once the flow levels in the Rio Grande drop below a certain amount, which they have because, of course, we're in you know like our 10th year of, or more than that, of severe drought. Once they drop below a certain level, then no one is allowed to hold water in any reservoir built after 1929. And Abiquiu Reservoir was built after 29. And so that went into effect a year ago, May. So they have not been able to hold water in Abiquiu for a full year now. So no wonder the thing is incredibly low. I thought that was very interesting. They've just been passing it on through, passing it on downstream. And I think Cochiti is probably the same. So now we're going to start getting runoff and Rio Grande will start filling again. So, But it was lovely day at Pecos yesterday. It was um, good and relaxing. We both enjoyed it. So now I am going to try to Um, hit it hard for the next four days. I am going to try to um, write during conference. We'll see how that works. I'm flying to Los Angeles on Saturday morning and kind of kicking my heels on Saturday. I'm thinking about going to go visit the Ripped Bodice bookstore. But other than that I'm going to be pretty much hanging out at the hotel and I think I might since I... um took yesterday off, I might try to get a full word day on Saturday. That would be kind of cool to do, huh? Because um, my friends don't get there until later afternoon. And at that point, um, Kelly Robson and Alex Della Monica will arrive and we will go to the Amanda Palmer concert that evening. So that's going to be really fun, really exciting. And Sunday we will do museums and stuff. But, I'm thinking that, you know, most days I don't have a very early start. So I'm going to try to do like a thousand words in the morning just to sort of get, keep my hand in. And on Monday, I have an appointment to talk to Agent Sarah because I mentioned that I sent her the proposal for the new shiny. And she really likes it. Yay! So... <laughs> which is good because Sarah will not say she likes something if she doesn't. <laughs> so she said, "I like it" with a couple of exclamation points. But then she wants to talk to me about how the story will unfold uh, before we go. Before I dive into pages, um, which doesn't surprise me because I I knew that it would not be clear where this story will go. Because of course, it's never clear where any of my stories will go. So that'll be fun. Talk to her on Monday morning and then I get to go to the Getty Villa with Kelly and Alex and it should be a super fun day. And Tuesday I might do beach. So I'm kind of thinking I should look in to see if I have friends in Los Angeles I should say hello to. I'm not sure who's there anymore. And so then, now that we've hit 14 minutes into the podcast, I will talk a little bit about Game of Thrones Sunday night. Um, (laughs) So spoilers go away if you don't, if you haven't watched it yet. Um, So season eight, episode four, we only have two more episodes to go. And at this point, I'm just kind of waiting for it to be done. Um, I have just not loved this season. I know other people have liked it better than I have. Although I did find someone on Twitter who went through and listed all of the things that were wrong with the Battle of Winterfell that I complained about too. So I felt like I fist bumped to this person. Um, Sunday so night, I I don't know. I thought that episode was a hot mess. I just couldn't even I feel like they're do they're changing the character trajectories to wind up the plot, which is something that happens a lot especially in movies and TV or yeah movies and TV I think you know they want the plot to go to a certain direction and so they have a character uh, behave differently than they have all along They give them a different motivation and you know now it does seem like they are really trying to make, Daenerys seem power mad and crazy so that we can um, be happy to see her lose the game. Uh, You know, and it's just, I know that they feel like the most important thing is, as the title suggests, the Game of Thrones. Who's going to win the Iron Throne at the end? So that's why they've set it up this way. Battle of Winterfell ends with... Third episode. Now we're setting up big fight with Cersei. Episode five will apparently be the whole big battle for King's Landing. Episode six will be the wind up. Um, you know, and frankly, I don't care. I do not care who gets the Iron Throne at this point. If I were writing this, I would have switched it around. I would have changed up the battle for the Iron Throne and hand the defeat of the Night King um, be the the finale, because clearly the Night King is a much bigger threat. And at this point, you know, Cersei, with her pouty posturing, I just don't even care anymore. Um, I almost don't care who sits on the Iron Throne anymore, and I think they're kind of trying to make me care, um, but I don't. And Varys... telling Daenerys that he thinks that, you know, like she's doing something wrong that he'd say so, you know, and it's like, you know, Varys knew back when he went and found Daenerys and Dorn that it would come to this, you know, and now he's acting all, you know, oh, you can't do that, and, you know, and trying to make her seem all rapacious and terrible. Um it's, you know, and before that, you know, you guys, I have been shipping Jamie and Brienne from way back. And you guys told me I was not going to get Jamie and Brienne together. And I held out for that. <clears throat> and so, and I didn't even care. <laughs> I was glad that they got together, but it felt so rushed. Um, it felt passionless to me. And then, I mean, we had, what, you know, like 20 minutes of Jamie and Brienne together before they tragically break up. Um, and then, of course, it turns out that apparently Bran had no plan with the Night King, and that's all there was. And, and Sansa just sort of gleefully breaks her word. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think... Um, It's, I just don't see. Uh, it's just not a satisfying ending to me, and maybe I will feel differently about it later once it's done. But you know, I think this is what happens when you take the writer out of the process. You know, and the the showrunners have done a good job with the story continuing on, and and the the writers on the show have done a valiant effort, but. Um, I think we're so far now from where George would have taken the story, even if he said how it ends the, you know, he had such a meticulous way of laying out how one thing led to another and the inevitable consequences. So that when people died, this is, I think this is a big thing. Um, you know, when people died, they always died as a result of their own errors in some way. You know, Ned Stark through his naivete. Um, I'm not going to be able to think of his name now. You know, the Prince of Dorne through his arrogance, you know, like when he could have won that duel, but then he had to taunt just a little more and he dies. Um, even Caitlin uh, Stark and Rob Stark, being killed at the Red Wedding, you know, which was, you know, not exactly their fault. And yet at the same time, it was a consequence of of Rob's actions, of Rob making the decisions that he did. And now we're having people die, and the the major death in this episode, of course, is now mainly to... I can't think of her name. I always want to call her Melisandra, which is, of course, the Red Witch. Um, I don't know why I do that. and Min- Melian, uh, I can never think of it. Of Noth. the, the gal Um Now she's dead, which will motivate Grey Worm to go nuclear, which is, you know, fine. That's great. But, you know, she, she died as a pawn. And I'm not sure that... Um, that it would have necessarily stacked up that way otherwise. You know, like even Shay, even Shay, who was essentially a pawn, you know, she dies because she betrayed Tyrion. So anyway, I think at this point, they're just sort of knocking off characters and going for... Same with Battle Battle of Winterfell. It's all being done for dramatic effect rather than for sense. And there we have it. And I've been talking too long. So now I shall get back to work, and I hope you all have a fabulous Tuesday, and I shall talk to you all, I don't know, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, maybe Thursday. Bye-bye.